right. Good morning. Um, if you have the Passion Translation with you, I want you to go ahead and pay, turn to page 691. 691. And I also, there's other, there's, there's some up here if you need it. Um, I'm going to encourage you to mark up your Bible if that's like sacrilege to some of you. Like hopefully we can break out of that. Um, but we're going to really focus in on a few ideas before you hear Nana's testimony. Um, yes, everyone's, gonna, everyone's like, come on, just get to that. Um, the, the title of the message is just take the next step. Take the next step. And uh, I am saying that because we've talked all weekend long. Everyone that's come up here said, we want this to be a catalyst, not just a moment in Garden City, but a catalyst for when you return home. And that catalyst is about identifying where you are, but then heading towards where God wants you to be. And it's about you being honest with where you are, not trying to be aspirational about where you are, but saying, this is where I'm at. And this is the just next step that I have to take. Because where I want to be, there's an outcome that you idealize. We have a, the end in mind. And I understand that. I'm very goal-oriented. I love that. That's fantastic in the workplace. The challenge with God is that he has an outcome that doesn't always align with yours. But he is leading you step by step to his outcome. Um, one of my son's favorite verse, he tells me it all the time. Proverbs 19:21. Calvin even said this week that it's a tattoo verse. So I don't know what that means, but one day I'll show up and I'll find out. Um, but it's many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord that directs his steps. And so I just want to encourage you to just think about what is the next step for you to take. And I think in Nana's testimony, you'll see that just taking the next step will lead to where God has you. But before she comes up, I want to answer a few questions. First, who's in charge of the next step? And why is it good news that it's not you? Um, because who's in charge of the next step is God. He is the one that wants to tell you what to do next. He doesn't want to just leave it to your wisdom and your rationale and your ideas about what to do. Nor does he want to leave it to religious institutions to tell you exactly what is next. Because the church has a vision for your life, and we think that it's aligned with God. But we as individuals, and we collectively in religious institutions, tend towards religious behavior that we're demanding you to do that isn't always in line with what God is asking you. And so what we're trying to encourage is for you to hear from God what he's asking you. And then the community that you heard Lisha talk about is there to confirm, is there to support, is there to help you refine your hearing of God so that you can be obedient to God. That's what we're after. Now, why is this good news? All right, so this is where we're going to get into the passage. 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 7 through 10. Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another, because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, 
for God is love. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Okay, take your pens. Verse 7, right? Those who are loved by God. Circle it. Underline it. Whatever you want to do to emphasize it. First, I just want to say it is a past tense expression there. Loved by God. There's an idea that you're not just going out to love others, but that you are being loved by God continually. That's what he says before he says, then continuously pour out your love to one another. And so he doesn't disconnect the two. But there's one that starts and there's one that follows. You are loved by God, then you continuously pour your love out to one another. Second thing I want you to circle is the many times it says this is love. It says God is love at the end of that sentence. Then verse 8, it says those who do, who do, the one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. Circle it. The light of God's love. Circle it. Verse 10, this is love that he loved us. It was his love, not ours. I want you to circle it because God is love is the easiest thing to declare. And it is hard to understand what that actually means. Because it is most often said in a way that's like, accept everyone. Be tolerant of all things because God is love. Now, it's not wrong. But it's just the baseline. It is the floor. It is not the ceiling. And so, yes, God is love. And that means he, that he looks at every single one of his children, no matter where they are, when they are, what they're doing. And he's saying, I love them so much. That's the baseline. That's where it starts. And to understand God is love is much more than that. So let me give you a definition of God's love. God's love is a vision of your value. God's love is a vision of your value combined with a conviction that you realize your value. Love is a vision of your value combined with the conviction that you realize your value. Here's what I mean. I'm, I'm going I'm to give three caveats to it. A vision of your value. On Friday night, Alicia talked about how God spoke each of their children into existence before they even knew they were pregnant. And she said, God did the same for you. And when she said that, I just lit up. Because that is God's word manifest in her personal life that is absolutely true. Psalm 139 says that you were knit together in your mother's womb. And as she said that, I just had this grander vision of not just God making a baby, but God making a baby with dreams. God making a baby with what their value would one day be to another person, what their value would one day be inside of his kingdom, that he had all of this vision of what he intended for them to be. The same way that parents, when they find out they're pregnant, they start dreaming. What's this child going to be like? Is it going to look like you? I hope so, because I don't want to look like me. But like all of these like, dreams of what they're going to look like and be like, this vision 
of what God wants them to be and the value they have as his image bearer and his children. And that's where it starts. But this is where God's love is so powerful is he says there is nothing that is going to stand in the way of me making sure that my love helps them realize that value. Nothing. Nothing. First Timothy says, this is love. He loved us long before we loved him. The second aspect I want to highlight is that in Romans 5, it says, while we were sinners, he died. See, his vision was not, they're just sinners and they're stuck. His vision was, they're sinners and I have to get rid of that because it's ruining the value that I intended them to realize. So he's saying, I will not let sin stand in the way of my love being manifested in them so I will go to the greatest length possible, crucified on the cross, poured out the blood to take away the sins because I will not let nothing stand in the way of them realizing the value that I intended, the vision I have for their life. And the third piece is circumstances. He will not even let circumstances. Romans 8 says, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. It's like your circumstances are not standing in the way. You know, as Marcy kept pounding us last night with, was this idea that that's part of God's vision of you realizing your value. There's something in the circumstances that is going to be a part of your future victory, a part of your future story that he's after and intending. Because there is not going to be anything that stands in the way of God's vision for your life being realized. No matter how many times you try to screw it up. This is the never-ending, never-stopping, amazing love of God. He's so patient, but he is so persistent and stubborn. That he says, I've planned this vision. And I have the power to realize it. And I will go after them until it happens. Now. <laughs> This side of heaven. <laughs> this side of heaven. And he says he wants you to experience that through his love. <laughs> and not just through him scolding you or challenging you or correcting you, but it's love manifest. And so now I just want to ask, answer the question, how do you experience God's love? What is it actually like on a regular basis? And for, so let's look, turn back to 1 John 4. I'm going to read 11 through 13. So I want you to follow along with me. Delightfully loved ones. If he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us, and we make our permanent home in him. And his love is brought to its full expression in us. And he has given us his spirit within us so that we can have the assurance that he lives in us and that we live in him. Okay, a few other things for you to circle. In verse 12, it said, God makes his permanent home in us. Circle that. We make our permanent home in him. Okay, think about this. God did not just pick up a mortgage on your life that's 30 years with an adjustable rate depending on the Fed. 
He says he's making his permanent home. Where? Not in heaven. Not in earth. In you. And he's come to reside and said, I want to be here forever. So I got to do some renovations because this house is not <laughs> designed the way that I want it. But it's in you. Other scriptures say your body is now a temple of his Holy Spirit. Your body, the body that he made, the vision of the body that you have. He thought of it. He likes it. He loves it. He intended it. And then he said, and I'm going to come and move in when you receive my love and walk in it. That's how you experience the permanent residence of God in your life. And the other thing I want you to, to circle is in verse 13, where he put his spirit within us. The spirit within us. It's a huge deal. And we don't grasp a little bit of what it's like to think that God said, I'm so interested in being so intimately connected that I will come and take over you. That part of the death and the resurrection, part of the ascending of Jesus into heaven, is so that it's not just one bodily form of Christ walking with you, but it's mentally body forms of Christ walking in this earth by his spirit residing in each and every one who calls him Lord. And it is because of that that we can experience God's love on a daily basis and in these dynamic encounters that Marcy talked about last night. And the way the Spirit is described is a Greek word, paraclete. It's translated different ways, different times. But it is this idea of someone coming alongside of you, wrapping their arm around you, and walking with you wherever you go. And I want to highlight two forms that takes, because I think it's helpful for you to experience and go, oh, that's how I can experience God's love. That's what I should be turning to God for. The first is as a counselor. God is a counselor. Now, counseling has become way more popular, and we encourage counseling, we partner in it, but how does the counselor guide you? Often in comfort. He's coming to comfort you as a counselor, whether it is grief and loss you experience, as Marcy discussed last night, or whether it's guilt and shame when you find yourself in sin so that you don't just stick in guilt and shame, but you move into conviction and repentance and confession. Or it's when the pain and the wounds of life, no matter when and how often they come, you can go, okay, I need a counselor to tell me how I understand this pain, how I understand this frustration. And it's right there in you every time. And in Romans it says, the Spirit cries out within you in words that you don't even know. The Spirit's praying for you when you don't know what to say, when you're pissed at God. <laughs> the Spirit's like, okay, you be angry over there. I'm going to talk with God for you. And I'm going to counsel you in what to do. I'm going to comfort you. And the greatest way that it comforts you is it connects you with the life of Jesus. Because every pain you experience, every challenge you faced, every grief Jesus faced in his life. Everything he faced. Everything you faced, he did it in those 33 years. Mind-boggling, but he did. And so you can connect with Christ through the counselor in that. But the second way... That, your vision, that his vision for your value is going to be realized is through a coach. The Spirit is a coach. It tells you it's going to teach and instruct and guide you into everything Jesus taught and how to live, where to go. Do I turn to the right or do I turn to the left? It's a coach. 
Now, I grew up playing every sport under the sun except the sport I should have, which was soccer. But the first sport I played was tennis. My mom was obsessed with it. She dragged me on the court when I was four, and the racket dragged along the ground every time I swung. In middle school, when I played tennis, you know, they don't have like a tennis coach in public middle schools. They have one coach who coaches more sports than they know what they're talking about. And that coach for me was Anthony DiCarlo. Fantastic name. Coach DiCarlo was an incredible influence in my life, but he was a basketball coach and knew nothing about tennis. But he came to every match and he stood behind where I was playing and he would coach me. And I'll never forget one match, I got down, the, 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 in middle school it was to eight games, and I got down three games, so it was not looking good. And I was frustrated and I was mad. Sometimes that happens, a lot. And I remember him getting my attention. He's saying, your frustration is not gonna lead you to this victory. This is not who you are, this is not how you play, and if you don't reorient, you will lose. Get back to who you are, get out of your head, and just play the game that you know how to play. Not tennis advice, but personal advice. And there are times where what, what God wants to do is to get you out of your head and to say, live back in the value that I made you for. That's that frustration, that anger, that sadness. Yes, let's deal with that. But it's not going to serve the victory that I have for your life. This is not the direction. You're going to continue to lose if you go down that direction. So change. And so the Spirit comes to be within us when things are challenging to counsel and to comfort. And when we don't know what to do, when we feel stuck to coach us, to remind us who God intended us to be and to send us back into that direction. And the Spirit comes and says, I'm going to be there permanently. And as Marcy talked about last night, the question is, will you listen to the Spirit or will you continue to listen to your own ideas? Will you, will you allow for the Spirit to do the renovations and say, this is not what this house was made for. This was not what this body was intended to feel and live out. Your body was intended for more. And to give you a little bit of what that might look like as you go back, that's why I wanted to invite Nana to share her testimony. Because it is a taking the next step, listening to God, and saying, yes, I'll follow your ideas over mine. And so, what we've all been waiting for. Nana, will you come and share with us your testimony? Welcome her. Good morning. How is everybody? After that worship, oh my goodness, that was amazing. And, and of course, your words were amazing, too. Um, thank you. Anyway, so um, as Logan said, my name is Nana Adai, and I'm, I'm truly grateful to be able to have testimony to share. I know that it's always nourished me, and so hopefully uh, it will do the same for you. So about five years ago, I asked a friend, can you explain the Holy Spirit to me? The Holy Spirit had clearly been running after me my entire life and had just caught up with me in downtown Chicago in a hotel lobby. My friend was so 
excited. And since I didn't really understand the Holy Spirit, I had no concept of why my ignorance on this particular topic was super exciting to her. I was like, why, why would this be a good thing? So she sat me down, and she started saying a whole bunch of things. And honestly, I don't really remember most of them, and I didn't really understand most of them. But she was clearly quoting things like verbatim that sounded like scripture. So I was like, she is clearly church people. I asked the right question. I, I, I asked the right person. Um, and the only things I really remember her saying was that God had known me forever because he had knit me in my mother's womb and that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. That's literally all I remember of what she said because it was just so amazing. And there was a real surety and simplicity in the words that she said when she described this concept of the Holy Spirit, like literally like me just telling you my phone number. Like it was just a fact the way that she talked about it. And so it was very impressive, but it was also a bit intimidating. And she said to me, don't worry about it. It's fine. You can, you can learn this. This is great. She's like, what you need to do is get an application Bible because there's like crib notes at the bottom. And you can learn, like you can do this. And no one my age had ever said to me before that reading the Bible to understand it was like a thing. And so I was like, okay, I don't really understand what you're talking about. But I said yes. And I jumped on Amazon and I ordered this Bible. So I spent the next two years in what I call the New Baby Christian curriculum. I joined a community group. I downloaded the Bible app. Um, my community group actually volunteered at a women's transitional home, um, cooking meals. Um, almost my entire community group volunteered for Sunday school at our church, even though none of us had a child. Like, like, like not one child amongst all of us, but we volunteered for Sunday school. Um, and the thing that I found most interesting was that I now had church friends, but that they were normal we would talk about all sorts of things. We didn't just sit around and talk about Jesus all day. And I would tell them, like, I can't believe how normal you guys all are. This is amazing. And they would laugh because they were like, well, this is just life. And so here I was getting a glimpse on how it was just to live differently. So lo and behold, my job decided to transfer me back to New York. And I was really sad to leave my friends and what I had found. But I had this feeling that God had sent me to Chicago to grab a hold of my heart. And now that he had it, he was like, great, it's time to move on. Let's go. So I had been to LMCC once before I moved to Chicago. Um, so when I was coming back to New York, even though I didn't know where I was going to live or I didn't really know anything, I at least knew where I was going to church, which is completely like a 180 from the person who left, right? Um, and so the one person who had brought me here had moved to California. She didn't even go to the church anymore. But my first Sunday back in New York, I attended services at LMCC. So right about this time was when Marcy was starting up the soul care curriculum. And so I remember Marcy saying that this class was to help heal up soul wounds so that we could be more effective in doing kingdom work. So I was starting to understand what kingdom work was, but I had no idea what kingdom work I was capable of. But I thought, well, there was something inside of me that said that I probably should give this a try, right? So I said yes, I went ahead, and I signed up for this class. I emerged from that class with a glimpse of the power of the Holy Spirit, what it looked like for the Holy Spirit to intercede on our behalf. And so for all of you sort of keeping track of where I am on my journey. This is about two and a half years after I said, like, what is the Holy Spirit? 
and all of a sudden I had some sense of like what the Holy Spirit could do. So a few months after the soul care class ended, Marcy comes up to me the way Marcy comes up to you when she kind of wants something. And you're a little bit like, oh, geez, what's going to happen? She said, hey, would you like to lead one of these soul care classes? I was legit terrified. And I was like, uh, this does not sound like a good idea. So, I, you know, I want to know, like, well, what do I have to do? And, and then all of a sudden, it occurred to me that the Holy Spirit was actually going to do all the work, right? Like, I was just like, an amusement park attendant, like collecting tickets and making sure the bar was like secure so you didn't fall off the ride, right? Like I was just there to watch this process happen. And so even though I wasn't sure how I was gonna like pull a Marcy and like really lead these people through this process, I went ahead and I said yes. So now I'm like, my friends back in Chicago are, are giddy actually because they're like oh you're like teaching classes in church and doing stuff oh yeah you're still a new baby christian like you're good you're, you're off to the races so i'm going along i'm praying i'm doing all the things that i think i need to do and i feel like i'm now starting to get a little bit of a dialogue with god like kind of i think so i think i can hear him and we're in this season where we're approaching the tithing ceremony. And Logan's talking about, like, tithing and how you're going to wrestle with God and, like, all these things. And I had been actually tithing for just a few years. I'd listened to one of Ryan's ceremony or uh, sermons where he was talking about tithing. And I just, I remember it so clearly because he's like, this is a sermon where, like, a lot of you are going to leave, but I have to do this. So let's do this, right? Like, tithing is a thing we do. Um, and then something clicked anyway for me. And I said, okay, yeah, this is, this is a thing I should be doing. So I'd been tithing for a few years. And so I didn't really understand this, like, wrestling thing. But I was like, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll go for the sermon. So I'm listening to him in this sermon. And... He's so insistent that this process involved wrestling that I was like, fine, I can kind of talk to God now. Let me ask him. And I'm pretty sure God will say, I made you good at math. Just multiply by 0.1. We're good, right? Be on my way. But this time, because it seemed like I actually had a dialogue with God, like a number popped in my head. <sighs> okay. This number was definitely a wrestling number, like... Not interesting. So I am now officially wrestling. So I started asking friends. I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some guidance on this one. And so I'm hearing about the difference between a pledge and a gift, whatever. I'm hearing some people are doing lump sums and installments, pre-tax, after tax. Like none of this is helping me. I'm still completely freaking about it, the, this number. So finally a friend says, you know what, you should just talk to Logan. I was like, I'm just going to talk to Logan. That's a great idea. So this is back during the pandemic. We set up a Zoom. I mean, it's kind of still the pandemic, but whatever. So set up a Zoom, and I'm telling him, like, all the things, right? Like, I go through everything. I'm like, this percentage is not 10%. Like, this is what I know. This is what I think. This is what I think I'm hearing, blah, blah, blah. I tell him how, like, the friends that I'm talking to are unbeknownst to them using this number as an example in how they're explaining to me, like, what's happening and so basically what I say to him is like, I essentially need you to give me like a second opinion and just make sure that like 10% is fine. And Logan literally burst out laughing. He just, bah! <laughs> like literally, and like didn't say anything else. He just kind of laughed. I was like, wait, what? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to really have to do this. Um, so even though I was not a fan of this wrestling thing, 
I went ahead and said yes, and I did it. And so when I look back on some of the things that happened afterwards, um, to myself, to my family, work, all the things, it really impresses upon me the idea that you need community because Logan had understood right from the beginning that I was wrestling with this, he watched me accept it, and then he got to listen over time at things that were changing, things that were like wondrous and surprising to me. And so um, it was wonderful to have a witness in that process. So that's me wrestling. So the latest installment on God kind of upping the ante is pretty cool. Um, and it really shows you the way that in situations that are adverse and nothing that you would wish for on your own, like what God can reveal in them. So a really dear friend of mine um, has cancer, and I have asked everyone to pray for her. And so I was talking to a friend about how this friend with cancer was coming to visit me in a few days, um, and then I was asking this person to pray for her. And this friend um, felt moved and came over and laid hands on me and prayed a healing anointing on me. Like, wow. But the even more wow part of it is that as they put their hands on my head, there was like a column of rushing heat that was coming out of my head during the entire process of this prayer. I'm listening, I'm trying to understand what's happening, and I'm just saying like, okay, I'm just gonna accept what's happening here. And at the end of the prayer, my friend says, you know, go and, and pray for your friend. Healing on your friend. You can do this now. No idea how this works, but I say, yes, okay, I'll do that. So a couple days later, my friend shows up at my apartment. She walks into my apartment, literally like one foot. I'm like, hey, I'd love to do some healing prayer on you. <laughs> what is... <laughs> What, what does one say, right? She's like, uh, uh, sh sure, sure, we could do that, right? So then she comes in the rest of the way and puts her stuff down, and we kind of go on our way. So it goes by a couple days, and I'm thinking to myself, I really need to do this. Um, she's leaving tomorrow. Today's the day. So I ask permission. I lay hands on her, and I start to pray. And... I'm hoping that the words are profound and, and they don't sound remarkable, just to be honest. They just didn't really sound remarkable and there were pauses and I was really trying to listen. And then I just start feeling like kind of warm and immediately I'm like, I'm embarrassed. Like my faith has run out. I am literally like praying over my friend and this is weird, now I'm embarrassed. Like this, is, this can't be right. But I'm like, I don't feel embarrassed. Like, I don't have that guilty shame kind of feeling that goes along with it. And then I notice my feet are really hot. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem the same. And then my legs are hot. And then my entire torso is hot. And I am, like, burning up at this point. Like, there's beads of sweat that are starting to come down as I'm, like, trying to say something remarkable, but trying also not to. Because I'm now clearly aware that the spirit is here. And this is not about me. And so I finish praying. Seems like there are no more words left to say. And she says, thanks. I go, I like take off my fleece. I start like taking off stuff because I am so hot. And then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to bed. She's like, okay, good night. And that was that. And I, I tell you that 
extraordinary story from my perspective because I'm just such an ordinary person. Like, I cannot believe that God chose to do something like that through me. So Monday, she texts me, and she tells me that her chemotherapy is easier than it had ever been and that she really needed the break that day. And she really attributed it to me. And I said, it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit. And my friend is not a believer, but we have now started having dialogue around this. And so I could say to her, no, that was the Holy Spirit. And I've also watched God build a tapestry of other points around her during this process. And so it has been incredibly awe-inspiring to watch this happen and to watch this friend of mine have an encounter with God. And so I tell you these these things because I can't believe it's only been five years and I actually didn't start in a place where I was thirsty like Moses said. I was just kind of curious and quite honestly when I asked that question about can you explain the Holy Spirit, I was actually kind of skeptical too. Like I was not expecting any of this. But taking it in little chunks and saying yes to each thing, even if I was shrugging my shoulders and saying yes, or saying yes with excitement, has been an amazing journey. So if that speaks to anybody, to know that just an absolute regular person (laughs) who did not grow up in the church can be used in this way, if that even resonates with you a little bit, I would say whatever it is that is the next thing, even if it's tiny and doesn't seem significant, I would say do it. Um, because it's been remarkable, and I'm truly excited for whatever else it is that the Lord has in, pre- in store for me. Thank you. Let's <laughs> clap louder for you. For you and me. Yes. Um, when someone gives a testimony, uh, it's, uh, it's part of God's victory being declared, but we also know that the, the flesh and, and the enemy hates it, and so there's like an extra level of attention that gets put on people, I've noticed, when we do testimonies at our church, and so um, I really feel just compelled to pray for Nana to just kind of both seal what's happened, but also bless what's to come, so let's pray for her. Father, thank you for Nana. Thank you for... Um, thank you for pursuing her. Thank you for uh, willing in her at times to say yes when she wasn't quite ready. And thank you for putting things in front of her where she was excited to say yes to. And so, God, I pray that you would continue to put things in front of her that she's willing to say yes to and trust you with. So, God, we bless this testimony of victory. We also look ahead and ask that you would protect, provide, and lead your next plan for her, that she would say yes and trust you with it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Give, give Nana one more thanks. Um, so Nana shared the kind of the healing portion of that testimony before community group one time. And I was like, you realize you have to share that with the group, right? And she was like, no, I don't. And <laughs> We got to prayer requests, and she's, like, talking about something else. And I'm like, all right, seriously, share it with the group. Like, and so then she did. And then um, I met with her for coffee not long after that. And I said, I find it remarkable to hear that story. Having met you 
you know, years before when you just came to a newcomer's brunch. You know, and to see the journey is just a gift of God to give me kind of that ability to witness. Yes, it's helpful for her, but encouraging for me to witness inside of community with this. Um, and so I wanted you to hear that because the desire that we have as you leave is to say yes, wherever you are at, to where God wants you to go next. And I hope that as you heard in Nana's testimony, you might say, oh, I was, I'm in that moment. I'm, I'm in that skeptical, what is this thing moment? Okay, fine, I will read the Bible and try to understand it. You know, or, okay, God's asked me to do a level of obedience that I'm not quite comfortable with. I'll, I'll step into a community group. I'll step into a leadership role. Okay, I'll say yes. Or you may say, okay, I want more than that. I want to feel the miraculous come through me in a way that kind of burns and makes me feel weird and uncomfortable, but like, I want more. Basically, what I'm saying is say yes to more of what God has for you. And I wanna give you a few ways that we wanna help you say yes, because I do want you to see that we all, I think when you start to get engaged with God, we dream of the dynamic encounters, this like healing, overwhelming experience. But the daily encounters is what allows and leads to the dynamic. And so it needs to be this dance where you're daily with God to encounter him and then open to the dynamic as you're doing that. So I want to give you kind of three next steps that I'd like for you to consider. Uh, the first is leave here and get private. Get private. Get private with God in his word. And so over the course of this next week, we've created a Holy Week devotional guide. So that's what this printout is. Even better than a printout is an app on uh, your phone. Um, there, we have an LMCC app. We have a church app. And Sam, if she's here, has made this devotional accessible and beautiful. Um, and I want to give you a little bit of framework for it because it's not a typical devotional. If you buy a devotional, what you'll get is someone else's thoughts about the scriptures for you to consider and try to be moved by. What we're trying to do is put you into the scriptures and let the spirit kind of do the work with you. And so all we've done is we've laid out a series of scriptures for you to read that's in line with a church tradition called the Stations of the Cross. It's kind of a centering on Good Friday. The day that Jesus walked to the cross, was betrayed by friends, was cast out by his own people and was crucified and died. We want to center all week long on that because we're not going to have a Good Friday service. We're just going to center on it throughout the week and meditate on it so that we're ready for the hope of the resurrection on Sunday. And so take this with you, put it on your fridge, do it with your family, download the LMCC app to your phone. You can get notifications to remind you. It's a really helpful thing. And then beyond Easter, Marcy's putting together an Acts reading plan so that you can continue this habit of daily getting in God's word and seeing what he has to say. And we'll kind of bring some community alongside of that to support you. But ultimately, the goal is to help you learn to get private with God. So that's the first step. Just get private with God. The second step is to go public with your faith. Go public with your faith. And this next week is the easiest time ever to go public because Easter Sunday historically is the most um, 
what's the right way of saying it? It's the easiest invite that you could ever offer to someone. Easter will be highlighted on CNN. It will be highlighted on Fox News more than CNN. And it will, like, it just, it's just true. It's just a fact. Um, but Easter will be discussed. Who is this Jesus? His reality, his resurrection. What does it mean? And so a simple way for you to go public in the workplace is to say, I'm going to church on Easter and there's gonna be an Easter brunch. Do you wanna come with me and explore who Jesus is? Go public in that way with your coworkers and invite them. We have an Easter brunch, RSVP, so we can have enough food and drinks. There will be free champagne through mimosas on that one. <laughs> I'll get it right one time. Um, Another way for you to go public is, as Nana said, in community group. Like, we have these community groups so that you would go public and say, I'm wrestling and considering what my faith actually looks like. I need help and assistance in this. The last step that I want to encourage you to take, and some of you are ready for it, and some of you may not be, and I'm not asking everyone to be ready for it, is that you would gain power. So get private, go public, gain power. Nana highlighted this idea of receiving prayer of a healing anointing. And I, when she told me that, I was like, that's awesome. But I hadn't reflected on the fact that that had happened to me a decade ago. You know, we have prayer in the back often, and it's sometimes like, a, well, if I need it, I'll go access it, right? It's like, if there's a problem that I had yesterday or this week, you know, if there's a personal feeling I'm in the moment, I'll go and receive prayer. But I want to encourage you that part of that is that you would gain power by receiving prayer. Uh, for Nana, it was a friend that she said that, and they had the boldness to pray over her. For me, I was at a service at Brooklyn Tabernacle, and they said, there's going to be people in the front for you to go and receive prayer. And I had never done that, to be honest. Even though I was a pastor, I had never gone forward to just receive prayer, at least that I remember. And so I walked forward, and they just kind of assigned me to someone random. I don't remember him. I don't remember his name. I just remember saying, he's saying, what do you want to pray for? And I'm like, I don't know. I just want to come and see what happens. And he prayed over me, and like, I just didn't feel anything in the moment, but it set off kind of a series of times like Nana described, where I was like, well, let's just pray for healing. And then God did it, and I was like, I'm freaked out, and so are they. But wow, right? And so um, we offer prayer not just for problems, but that you might gain and, and receive and experience the power of God through the prayers of other people. And so the main goal for today is simply to say, what is the next step? How do you say yes? And as Nana said, it doesn't have to be the monumental leap. You know, there's a beautiful beautiful story as she describes of five years of God going, I know what you can handle now, and that's all I'm asking you to do. That's God's love manifest, a vision for your value and the patience and the conviction to realize it as long as it takes. What is your next step? What does it look like to get private, to go public, or to gain power? We're going to continue in worship in a moment, but I'm going to pray, and then we'll do a time of response during that. So let's pray together. Spirit, thank you. Thank you that when we say that Jesus is Lord, you come to make your permanent home within us. 
that the body that you made us to inhabit, you've wanted to be inside and with and to strengthen and to lead. And so I pray, Spirit, that you would speak to minds with new thoughts today. Pray that you would even awaken physical sensations that would communicate that you're real and here. I pray that you would allow for emotions to be expressed, not just in events and circumstances, but emotions expressed through your moving in us and to you. And ultimately, I'm just asking, tell us the next step for each of us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So the prayer team, if you guys can kind of spread out around the room. Um, the prayer team is there through all of the songs after every single message. Um, these are people that are very much like Nana, ordinary, but over time have learned what it is to dialogue with God, to hear from God, and then to pray for others in a way that God kind of channels those prayers for you. And so they're there throughout the songs, they're there after the service, we do it every single time. And um, you don't have to do it right away, you can sit and sing and think and then go back. Um, but we offer that just as a regular means to receive and encounter God's presence. So if you'll stand, we'll continue to worship. And as you feel led and desire, you can go around the room to receive prayer. <laughs>